Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. All right. Uh, again, if, it, if it's your first time, welcome. And it, it, make yourself at home. This is, uh, this is what we're all about. And if you, I'll give you ice cream in the mail if you, if you fill out the card. All right, a couple other things that we'd like to invite you to. Tonight is our last night for Living Nativity for 2014. So um, and if you've been through it, you can come through it again. And this, you know, tonight we're getting actual Roman soldiers. Now, we have great Roman soldiers, but we're getting reenactors from Hollywood. So they're going to come and harass people. It's going to be lots of fun. So uh, invite your friends out tonight. Also, on Wednesday night... Is our, at 5 o'clock is our communion service. So uh, please join us for our, our Christmas Eve communion service. So it's just going to be a great time. It's going to be a short service. It's going to be a family service. So bring your kids in, and we'll just, uh, you can instruct them on the importance and the power of communion, family style. So again, that's Christmas Eve on Wednesday night. Can you believe it? All right, and then one final announcement. There's a lot of other things that are in your program. Uh, you can buy some tamales for women's ministries after, yeah, I know, after, after service today. But the most important announcement is to get your cell phones out and turn them off. Turn off your phones. Don't turn on vibrate because vibrate is not silent. Everybody can hear that when it's buzzing in your pocket. So let's turn your phones off because we, we have a visual guest speaker today, Mr. Hyatt Moore. And if your phone does go off, he will paint a caricature of you. And he will post it on the Internet to humiliate you. Anyway, uh, but I know. Uh, Hyatt is a great painter, and he just released a new book, and it's going to be available out here on the patio uh, after second service. So I just want to encourage you, if you're last-minute Christmas presents, these would be a great option. And then right after, se uh, right after second service, right after we're done, uh, we'll be doing the toy giveaway. So with that, uh, if we could get Hyatt, where did he go? <laughs> He's coming. Okay, we need to get, can we get some guys to help us with the easel, uh, Paul? And let's get, we need to get him set up here. Let's get him a set up. Come on. All right. Hyatt Moore, everybody. Are you doing a different message today? Yes. Okay. So Hyatt, Hyatt is such a genius that he first service is completely different than second service. So if you would like, you can you can get the recording for first service, which is a, he preached a different message. Pretty cool, huh? So I this is a fresh one for you guys first. tonight. All right. Let me help you guys. All right. Well, I was upstairs reworking this message because I realized I don't have enough time to talk and paint. Very ambitious. And that's okay. You're spared of many of my words now. You're not spared. Of, well, who knows? But I got caught on the stairs <laughs> because you had just dismissed the children. And it is an up escalator. Now, turn this up straight up, please, so it's vertical if it'll go that way. It's not sacred. Stick it in there. And this has to go a little lower anyway, so... Yeah, try that. So anyway, you're blessed by all those children. I thought, wow, isn't this wonderful that this church has this many children? So I was blessed and late. <laughs> uh, we were just in Seattle last weekend with Josh. Well, actually, we weren't there with Josh, but uh, we were texting each other, and at one point he texted me and said, are you in Seattle too? 
we were both there, but by coincidence. And we, Ann and I, were visiting uh, our children, as we do from time to time, around this time of year often. And one of the things we like to do is go downtown. Maybe I should tell a joke. That's pretty good. Actually, I like it a little higher, but I, I don't know if I want to ask for anything different. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, we, one of the things we do when we go up to Seattle around Christmas time is go downtown with, the, with our kids and their kids because it is so magical. It's just so, I don't know, but it seems like everybody comes out and they're on the streets and it's cold and sometimes it's snowy. It wasn't this time, but it was okay. And there's music on every corner. I mean, the street musicians. It's, you know, uh, bands from the... Steel, steel drum bands and uh, or buckets bands, you know things like that. But very a lot of talent and a lot of fun, and a big, big, big tower, big star on top, and everybody's just out, just enjoying it. A lot of panhandlers, you know, they're all here, they're all there. But you know, you give money too because we're we're in Christmas. It's time to just be liberal and loving. Not that we don't do that other times. Okay, that's another topic. But I noticed, couldn't help not noticing, that Christ wasn't there. Pretty much left out intentionally. Because we don't want to offend anybody. You know, there's lots of religions in the world and all that, so we just kind of leave that out. But I think, I kind of miss it. Even though I don't expect downtown Seattle to turn into a church service, I still kind of, I get hurt for the Lord's sake. I think we're celebrating you, but we're not inviting you. We're actually, we're not celebrating you. We're, we don't quite know what we're don't know quite what we're celebrating. It's a tradition, and we love it, but it's a little bit shallow if you're, oh, if it's only that. I saw one card that somebody was trying to sell in a coffee shop. It wasn't had nothing to do with Christmas, but they, uh, some artisan had been making cards and they had sayings, poetry, poetic or philosophical wise sayings on them, and one of them said, "Be still and know." Well, I know how the rest of that phrase goes. You know, it's biblical. It says, be still and know that I am God. It's a great concept, great reminder. But they just left that part out. And that was just sort of indicative of how we are. You kind of say, it's almost, almost like a Christmas card that could say, did God really say? Which is the first thing Satan said to Eve. And I think he's still saying it. Kind of doubting. Now, I wasn't always a believer, so I'm not, and I'll let God do the judging. It's not my point to be doing that. But the more, the longer I'm a believer, the harder I find it to believe anything else. You know, it just makes more sense than any other teaching I have heard or look into. And partly it's the more I study the scripture, the more I see the fulfillment of prophecy, how many prophecies, how it could not have been a coincidence. It had to have been historical. If it wasn't historical, where did it all come from? And that's not to mention my own life change that is ongoing, the new personness that God gives. So, you know, so I've sort of become part of that population that is called believer. And I'm happy, but I'm kind of dismayed for the majority of non-believers among us. Okay, well, enough of that, except to mention that the prophecies. I read a little booklet the other day that mentioned a number of the prophecies 
that mention that uh, point to Jesus' birth. Now, if the Son of God is going to come to earth, you know it's going to be a special time, and you would expect interesting and unusual circumstances to be happening, which is exactly what the Christmas story is all about. All kinds of interesting things and different things. But some people say, well, they were, might have been coincidences. Well, it couldn't have been. You don't get all those prophecies into a coincidence. Some mathematician came up with the fact that if they were just eight prophecies of the Old Testament fulfilled in Jesus, the chance of it being a coincidence would be one in 100 billion. Okay. And that's just eight. And there are 48. You know, so it's just... That's what I say. It just makes more sense than anything else. Um, another interesting thing, pulling facts out. This is from NPR, but I've heard it a couple of times now. Astronomers have determined that there are 100 billion stars in our galaxy. I don't know how to write that number. 100 billion stars in our galaxy. And then they say, there are 100 billion galaxies that we know of. You can't, you, you can't fathom that. You can't, you know, it's like it never ends. And how can that be? You can't fathom that. But that's how big God is. And you think of it, if, that, if God's that, if that's kind of God's playground, I mean, I don't know, but he's, he's in it. If he's not, then who is? Then that's God. I guess it's just God. Well, how is it that he pays any attention to us? Yet he seems to put a lot of attention on us to the point of sending his son and his son to die. A lot of attention. Some friend quoted a friend of his. My friend is a scholar. His friend is a scholar. But his son's friend is a Christ, uh, secular scholar. That is, he's not a believer. But he says this. He says, all the universe is not as special or significant, or miraculous, if he would use that word, is one ten-year-old in the consciousness of one ten-year-old boy. Consciousness. And he's saying, what is consciousness? Who are we? Somehow we're created in the image of God, and we have these minds, and these we're not even sure what we are. But that's more special than that whole universe, this secular scientist says. It's pretty, kind of humbles you. But then you think, well, if that's the case, and I guess that's the reason that God gives us so much attention. He created us. We rebelled. He came to redeem us. Some of us believe, some of us don't. God is still acting. Okay, I gave a Christmas story painting. I did it this morning. It's over here, if you can see it. It was the, it was the kind of the crash. I, get, I, t I painted... The scenes, you know, the, the star, which is pretty easy. You just throw a big blob of white on the black canvas, and there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did the, the um, wise men coming, and then the shepherds, and then the angel, and then the massive angels saying glory to God in the highest, who all showed up, probably 10 million of them, praising God. Even if we don't get it, they do, and they say, you should, be sp you, should be, you should be glad about this. God, of all the things he could do, is paying attention to you. So that's what that painting was. But I, in the meantime, had told Josh that I got a different idea. 
This was what I was going to do. And then I had another idea, because that's kind of a problem with me, you know. <laughs> and I can hardly keep up with it. So I, thought, I developed this other idea, and then I had it, and then Josh put this one on Facebook, saying, this is what you're going to do. And I thought, now I have to do that one, but I like this other one. <laughs> so I decided, I'll do them both. It's not genius, it's foolhardiness. <laughs> But this one is completely different. But it's, a, it's a, a more expanded aspect of the Christmas story that you wouldn't think about. It's the, I'm calling it the announcers. And I'm going to mention four announcers. And there are more than four. But the first is Moses. And I will do a quick rendition of Moses. Now Moses, in the Old Testament, or in the Bible, Moses, to the Jews, is like Jesus to us. I read that somewhere. And when I'm glossing because there are many Jews that are believers, etc. But I'm just saying they hold him up in high esteem. He is the, uh, the author of their, the kind of the father of the race. Well, okay, Abraham's the literal father. But he is the spiritual father. He kind of, you know, gave them the law, etc. So I'm do, going to do a quick rendition. And I did one at home to see if I could do it. And that's what I'm looking at on my camera now because I took a picture of it so I could remember and not take all morning. Although I understand this is the second service, so we have plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> now, can you see it? Because I noticed... No, thank you, but I appreciate it. I appreciate it, but, you know, we'd be dancing with each other but um, let's just say he's like that, and you know he might be broad, broader shoulders, and who knows? And he's got a book, and well, not even a book; it's a stone, and probably he's probably like that, stone tablets. But anyway, I'm going to have him holding it like as if it's just a book, and because he's the giver of the law. Okay, and there's his hands, and there's his face, and there's sort of his beard, and let's give him some little complexion. What do you think? Can you see it? Because the people on that side, you may not be able to see it because of the glare, and you can go over there. Wait, can you see it? Can you see it? Okay. Maybe the people that can't see it, and maybe that's better. <laughs> we'll give them some. Oh, I should have left some black spots in there for eyes, but oh, well, I'll put them back in. I'm usually an oil painter, and you go about it a little bit different than this. Although not that different. You just kind of start messy and get neat. In this case, I'll just start messy. <laughs> and the neatness will never happen in this particular case. Okay. I'll give him some eyes. Every nose. Yeah, I like that. A little, little bit more beard. Oh, that's too much red. And who knows? White beard? Probably. Because Moses, as you know, well, you know, you know, the full five, first five books of the Bible were written for, by, by him and much about him, how God called him. Even though he could have been a prince in Egypt, he was almost, well, maybe literally, uh, on his way to the throne in Egypt, he was certainly way up. He was Pharaoh's daughter, uh, Pharaoh's daughter's son by adoption. 
and he had the, you know, he was in the palace. He could have stayed there. But when he was called of God, remember how he chose to suffer with the, king, with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, which is sort of what we're called to do too. Either way, life goes by. Better to serve God. Okay, and there's the book. Not the book, the law. And the people, and he has a, you know, quite a time leading them out of Israel, and they're rebellious, and he has problems, and he gets mad a couple of times, and it's a, whole, it's a very interesting story. But at one point, he says, glasses, to them, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. So as much as the Israelites are revering him, he's saying, it's not about me. There's another one coming. Now, how they happen to miss this now, I'm not sure. Actually, I think they do still see it. They just don't think it was Jesus. They're kind of still waiting for a Messiah. But that's what he was talking about. Now, we were just in Israel a couple weeks ago, a month, a month ago. So when I say things about the Jews, I'm not casting at any people that are great people. I'm just saying that generally, case, generally speaking, they're still missing this. And we saw that very much there. You must listen to him. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will let the, uh, tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words that uh, this prophet speaks in my name, I myself We'll call him to account. Now, he actually isn't even the first prophet of Jesus. It happened in the Garden of Eden when there was a prophecy given that Jesus would come. So I could start way back, but this would be a much longer sermon. So I'll not do that. The next one I want to call your attention to is Isaiah. And you know, his, pro his famous, well, let's just do a little bit of Isaiah-esque-ness of it. Isaiah, well, if, this, if he came at about 14... 100 B.C., Isaiah was 700 B.C., so about 700 years later. Let's see if I can hold my palette and my camera at the same time. Eh, blue's kind of nice. I don't think I can. Yes, I can. We're going to give him a little bit more religious garb because by this time... You know, we got more of a tradition, and we had a temple. In fact, Isaiah had his vision in the temple. Do you remember how he starts his book that the, the train, the, the, he saw, I saw the Lord, and the train was, went way out, and it was like a, the whole, covered the whole earth. And he says, holy, holy, holy. He says holy more than anybody else. The word holy is used in the, in the book of Isaiah more than anywhere else. And he realizes and says, that God, though he is there for the Jews, is for the whole earth. And he's going to redeem the whole earth. So all these prophecies are coming out in Isaiah. And let's see, let's give him a, let's give him a prayer shawl, which means probably a couple of black. Remember about black here? Kind of these stripes. You've seen those prayer shawls they wear, sometimes like that. I don't have, I already got black down there, okay. Maybe some up in here. Okay. Now, I'm not sure. I didn't do any, any uh, uh, 
We ought to be sure to see if they were wearing these garments in those days, but they wear them these days. I saw them in Israel. Okay, it's kind of, they put it around, and they have at the bottom all these um, tassels. And there's exactly so many. How many were there, Anne? 613, which represent all the laws that they have to keep. And our tour guide says, yes, they have to keep them to go to heaven. I thought, wow, that's a lot. I wonder how many are going. <laughs> but all these tassels are some law, and I guess they can count them. I don't know. The interesting thing was that the, the pomegranate was a big thing that we've actually seen also in the symbol in the New Testament. It turns out that the pomegranate has 617? That was the idea. Let's go with it. 617 seeds in a pomegranate. And that's how many laws there I was still trying to keep. So anyway, there's Isaiah. Well, his famous prophecy was what? Say it, everybody. A virgin shall conceive. Okay, that's what I have to say. That's all I can remember, too. Now, there's, and there's other things, too, and I'll get to it as soon as I put my... Okay, there's Isaiah. Kind of a mess, but you know, we'll say that's him. Okay? Now, let's go to... Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let me just give you a couple of Isaiahs, 9-6, of course. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with the child and give birth to a son, and he will call his name Emmanuel. You know that great passage. Now, we also know that recently people said, you know, that's okay. They could use that word for a young girl. So it could be anything. Well, that's the very kind of thing where people say, did God really say? We just put little bits of doubt in. But Matthew himself said, this was, this, and when he talks about the virgin, Mary, he says, this was to fulfill the prophecy in Isaiah. So he believed it. Besides that, recent linguistic research, and I read this in the first service, I won't take time now, is showing that the word used really does mean virgin. So we don't have to be doubtful about that. It was a virgin birth, and the only one in all of history. In another place he says, For unto us a child is born. Now, he, did, did Isaiah himself know what he was saying? What did these prophets think? Well, the fact is, in almost all cases of prophecy, there's a double meaning. There's something that's a fairly immediate in their own context, and then it has yet another meaning. So any, doubt, any doubter has a chance to doubt, you know, because you can say, well, it was just that one. But any believer can see, no, that's that one. And it's so clear to us who believe that this is what it was all about. Who else has fulfilled this? For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor. Oh, they don't put a comma in this new version, but I like them separate, because Wonderful to me means full of wonder, not just a good counselor. But here's a miraculous person, Wonderful. Counselor. Of course, he's a counselor. He counsels me all the time. Mighty. And that's another one. I call him mighty. And then God, rather than just mighty God. Like, how many gods you got? Is this the mighty one? No, he's mighty. And he's God. Okay? In Hebrew, they didn't have punctuation. So we're adding our punctuation by a conjecture. But we can also take it back out. That's what I'm doing. Everlasting. Father. Prince of Peace. 
And I could go all over to 53, which, of course, is more the uh, Easter passage, although who cares? You know, it's all beautiful all the time. He grew up before us like a tender shoot and like a root out of a dry ground. He had no beauty that, or majesty to attract us to him. And that would be like how my painting would come out, too. Nothing particular. Although when Hollywood does it, he's always, you know, super handsome. Well, I don't think so. I think it's pretty normal. So we could identify with most of us. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows. Da da da. It goes on. The whole chapter, I won't read it. You know it. But I'm just saying, here was another announcer. Is this part of the Christmas story? Yeah, because it was that person that was being born at this time. And Isaiah was announcing him. I'm going to take another one. This one may not be in order. And I think I've got to get rid of some of that white paint first. Yeah, take your picture quick, because it's about gone. <laughs> <laughs> This one looking at okay, yeah. Brownish. I'm gonna make this one somebody in. Let's see. I need a different color. I need the color of animal skin. Don't have that. You got something close. And you know who that's going to be? Class. John the Baptist. Who else wears animal skins? Okay, we're going to give him some I need an animal skin. Uh, I think. Need to go a little faster here. Okay. You can see now why I needed the cardboard. Okay. We'll just get this going up here. And he's a younger man. Because as you remember, he died early. So we won't give him gray hair. It's a certain color. Oh, here. I had it in here. Romber, yeah. I'll give him some color. Of course, he might disappear in the dark. This is where it gets wild. I say to the Lord, Lord, you and me here. I'll do my part. You do your part. <laughs> and I don't know which one of us is messier. Because <laughs> his part, if you look at nature, is Quite random, but yet it all works. So we'll give him a brown beard. Where did I put that umber? That's another thing. You put it down, you don't know where you put it. Don't you do that, do that all day long? Right here. Okay, it's getting to be a little bit too thick. I'm going to have a trouble with this by the time I get to my next one, but it has to do with schedule. Okay, we'll be him, kind of a wild man. And if you remember the story about his birth, it was also miraculous. Remember his father, who became his father, well, his father, 
Zechariah was in the temple being the priest that year and had a, had a vision, an angel, Gabriel came to him and scared him to death, as angels always do. He said, your wife who has been barren, his wife is old, and they've been praying for a baby all their lives, way past praying. He said, your, your prayers have been heard, and your wife's going to have a baby. He said, how can, how can I believe you? He said, well, okay, just because you're going to act that way, you're going to be mute between now and the time when the baby comes. And when you walk out of here, and you won't be able to tell anybody, but everybody's going to know something happened in there. So it was a testimony then, not just to him, but to everybody there. He said, what happened to him in there? Because he went into the temple to do his normal duties that a priest does, but something amazing had happened. And then his, shortly after, his wife was found to be pregnant, even though she was old. Let's see what color. Lighten this up a little bit, because you can't even see it back there, I think. So John is out in the wilderness. Let's give him a little more face. Where's my face paint? So we can see him. Where's my camera? He didn't know that painting was physical work. But it is. And he's kind of wild. I mean, obviously. He lives in the country. He eats locusts and wild honey. He dresses in animal skins. But he's, but he's a prophet. He's wild. I mean, he's, wild is what we'd call him. But he's a holy man. And people come out to him. He doesn't wait for opportunities to speak in the synagogue. People come out to see him. And they ask him, what should we do? What should we do to be saved? Well, it's before the Lord had come, so he couldn't just say, well, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's what Paul would say. This is sort of before that. So he's telling him various things like, well, clean up your act. Give to the poor. Don't cheat people. Um, be, be content with your wages. Seek God. Is this any good or do you look too scary? Is this getting to be a Halloween painting? Look. But he also has severe things to say to the non-believers 
who, ironically, are the priests who come out to see him. And he says, what are you doing here? You're not believers. That's kind of weird. Sorry, John. <laughs> okay, but let's see, give him a little bit more something. I don't know. I know you're thinking, this is not the Christmas story that I know of. But okay, he's wild. You know, he's got hair. He doesn't comb his hair in the morning. <laughs> he, doesn't think, he doesn't have a mirror. You know, he doesn't think about those things. He just, uh, he's consumed with God. And uh, who knows? Let's put his hands down here. Because they're actually in the water. If we're going to get really good about this, we can give him some water to be in. Here's my water brush. It's pretty, pretty strong water, I know. I mean, pretty strong color. Why not? It's license. Okay, because he's baptizing people. Oh, wow. Sorry, 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 sorry. Give him a blue up here just for composition. Maybe a little bit of reflection here. Just to make it a little bit more interesting. Okay, prophecy about... Okay, everybody, here we go. <laughs> that was a joke. I'm not done at all. I just wanted to say that done with that phase where he says... Uh, oh, and I'm in the wrong book. Matthew. Two, two. No. Sorry. Where does, where does John the Baptist, where's the John the Baptist? Oh, I got it right here. Matthew 2.11. Here it is. Sorry. John, Matthew 2.11. I took it out. Matthew 2.2. 2. Anyway, anyway, you know what he says. <laughs> I'll just tell you by memory. The angel told Zechariah that your son will be powerful, and he will bring people back to the Lord. Then John said to the people, there's somebody coming that I am not worthy to tie his shoe. Because he was so powerful and so unusual and so distinct that people who were looking for the Messiah thought, is this the Messiah? So that's how much attention he got and how pure a life he lived. And he said, no, I'm not. I'm here to announce him. So he was also an announcer, and very unusual. You wouldn't call him a religious man, although he actually was. He just wasn't in the, in the, in the system. He's very much a prophet. And even in a, in a linear line of priests, as his father had been a priest, he could have easily been a priest, would have been another priest with his father. But he went out and did his priestly things in the wilderness. So that was John. And so after that, there's one more that I am going to cover. And this one... You won't say, too bad we're knocking that one out, because he needs to go. This particular, <laughs> this particular uh, painting wasn't going in there, although it's even more interesting as you do this, I think, sometimes. Because now, now there's the animal skin. Okay. It's only paint. That's kind of interesting. 
painting itself, by the way, is a big experiment. I'm not sure where it's going to go. Not too much paint left on that. Why don't you go ahead and take it? I'm kidding. I, I need that back. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Okay. That was just to keep you lively. Okay, one more, and that is... Okay, can I make sense of that face? I'm not sure I can do something with, with this one. came out pretty good when I worked on it before. That doesn't mean anything now. Once again, nose. I'm getting too much glare on myself to see it. That's why I'm off to the side here. Again, that face. This one, I think, will give him no beard. Though who knows if they shave in heaven. Man was created in the image of God, but so is woman. All right. So does that, do, we have all, do we have facial hair in the kingdom? In fact, who I'm painting now, well, I'm going to give you a hint right now when I do this. Who will this be? Or what kind of a being will that be? That's great. It's an angel. So is he a male or a female class? Trying to figure out what an angel would look like, I checked it out on the internet. <laughs> it was not very helpful. First, they're very sentimental. Two, they're always women. Three, half the time they're voluptuous. I, think, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think we're going the same direction here, you know. So then I think, well, maybe I'll look at male angels on the Internet. Well, they were very pretty. <laughs> so, so that wasn't helping me either. And okay, what should, how do they look? And do they have wings? You know, in Scripture, when they show up, well, well first of all, they always you know, frighten the person because of, their, because, because of something. Partly because they just showed up. <laughs> oh, how'd you get here? You know, that'd be enough. But then there's something about their visage. You know, they look, uh, you know, the way they look at you or look through you or whatever. That's a pretty poor face. I'm sorry about that. But I'll get back to it. Just wipe that out. Come back to that. Do they have wings? Probably not, because otherwise people would say, you know, they don't recognize him at first. They came to visit Abraham, and they fed him, and they ate. And then they walked away, and they thought, who were those masked men, you know, <laughs> as it were? Because they didn't know for sure. So 
They can bring themselves to look pretty much like us, but they can also look like pretty powerful beings. So do they have wings? Well, we don't know. But all the Christmas cards they do, and this is a Christmas season. So I'm putting wings on them. And they do fly around in heaven. It says so. There's a place in Revelation that says uh, around the throne we're flying 10,000 times 10,000 angels. That's 10 million. I don't know how you count them, but that's a lot of angels. But, you know, God is not uh, penurious. You know what I mean by that? I mean, he's not not small-minded. He's expansive. He thinks big. He uses big numbers. He's not afraid of anything. He has a lot. Imagine there's a very large population of angels. Did they all show up at that event? when Jesus was being announced. Who knows? It doesn't say how many. It just says there's a lot of them. But if I was an angel, I'd sure want to be there because that's the big event of the universe. God is humbling himself to go to earth and be born as a baby. Those angels are probably thinking, they were already worshiping God because they're around him. They're, they're, you know, they love God. They worship God. That's what they, how they spend their time, whatever that means. But somehow... This was such an extraordinary event that all of a sudden God, I believe, got bigger in their minds than it had been before. Because we thought God was great, but not that we say he's doing that for them. A bunch of rebellious, cantankerous nincompoops, that's us, God has said he's going to redeem them. He's going to do it this way, and he's going to die for them. I think all the angels want to be there and check this out. This is extraordinary. Not to mention that for a moment they're sort of saying to the earth, hey, you guys, catch on. This is pretty special. But they only said it to the shepherds, which is pretty interesting because he sort of wants everybody else to get it by faith, which is where we are. Okay, well, i got a poor angel here. Now, if he was really in the, in the presence of God, as, as he was, because he said that, when he appeared to Zacharias, he said, I am... What's his name? I can never think of a name, even an angel's name. Gabriel. I'm Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. Well, if Moses was in the presence of God one time, he was in the presence of God a number of times, but God showed him his glory once. Remember what happened after that? He glowed. Moses glowed so much that after that he had to wear a bag over his face. And that was for two reasons, because as it faded, he didn't want anybody to know and that's true, too. But the fact is that, the, that what happened to him, he glowed because he'd seen God. He'd only seen his backside. Well, if Gabriel was in the presence of God and shows up at earth, he might have been pretty radiant, too. Or did he tone himself down for our sakes? No doubt, because otherwise we couldn't look at him either. So let's just say he did. Who knows what they were, you know? But garment, very probably very majestic garments. And who knows what color? Where's my white? 
Let me take it out of the tube. Save time. Now he has white hair. Who knows what he has really? But I'm going to give him white because the Lord Himself, when He comes back uh, and shows Himself to John in Revelation, you remember that one? He has white hair like wool, and I get the idea. It's also a hairstyle, you know. At least it's something that's pretty, you know, it's a mane, and it's pretty, it's pretty beautiful. Kind of goes out. Okay. I thought of wearing my hair in a po beautiful ponytail like I some see some other, some other 70-year-old guys do, but I waited too long. <laughs> I don't have his hair anymore. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, he's kind of angel-esque, and let's give him some white clothes, too. Where did I put that white? See what I do? I put it down, and it's gone. There it is. It's there right now, okay? Um, nice. One of the things you're supposed to do when you're painting is have a mirror, which I have in my studio. It's over kind of a wall mirror. And I can look at it. Either that or step back from it from time to time so you can see what it looks like from a distance. I can't do that today. So I don't know how it looks from there. I just know it's pretty messy from here. <laughs> okay. That's kind of interesting. I don't think this north is that great, but it might be as all he's going to get for now. I think we should throw some paint at this one too, like we did earlier, because it just gives it a little bit more vitality. Whoa! I didn't expect that much. I'm sorry. shows up in my studio and I go, oh, I didn't know you were an angel. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm s anyway, we can still maybe save this. Depends on what, what time is that. What time are we out today? I forget. You never told me. But we're almost done. Put a bit up there. This is what kind of makes it interesting. should make a little bit more face there. Mm. Okay, not lipstick. <laughs> Just a little bit more color.
around the birth of Christ, you had a lot of angelic activity. You might have angelic activity all the time. We just don't know it. But around the birth of Christ, you had him appearing, well, first to Zechariah, and then to Joseph in a dream, but still. Then Mary herself, as a visit by an angel. Then the shepherds. Why the shepherds? Is it because God likes sheep? Does he like shepherds? I think he likes shepherds. Not that shepherds are so special, except but they're so humble. They're kind of at the bottom of the social strata. And that's who God goes to. So I know about the guys that are already sure of themselves. And I'm not too impressed with them. I'm not as impressed with them as they are with themselves. I like a person that's humble. If you want to impress God, be humble. If you want to be exalted, be humble. He can do it. Something everybody can do. So I think he went to the shepherds because nobody else would. Running out of colors. I mean, I have plenty of color. I'm running out of time. It's because David was a shepherd. And you know what, he, what David did? You know, he loved God so much. He wrote half the book of Psalms or more. He went after God's own heart. Became the king of Israel at God's choice. When man had chosen somebody else, man had chosen somebody who was tall and good-looking and obvious and a failure. God chose somebody that was, wasn't even recognized in his own family as anybody special. And he was a shepherd. But in his shepherding days, he learned valuable skills like how to throw rocks <laughs> at bears and lions and giants. He learned how to play his instrument. He learned how to worship God in the privacy of his own soul. And God liked that. And he exalted him. And those are things we can do too. So is that why he chose shepherds? I don't know. doesn't say. Or did he choose shepherds because the sheep are so much like us? Which he says, sheep, you know, the stupidest animal in the world. <laughs> he says, you guys, are, you kind of remind me. <laughs> it's not because of your white hair. <laughs> you know, maybe. You would think, well, he should go to the priests. They were the ones that were supposedly watching for the, second, for the Messiah. But that word supposedly got in the way. Well, even if they were only supposedly, he could have manifested himself in an angel to any of the priests and said, you're missing it. This is the way you should go. And maybe if I was God, that's what I'd done. But he didn't do it that way. He said, they just keep on missing it. They can get it if they want to. They don't want to. I'll go to the shepherds. So we have these kind of angelic beings. We don't really know much about them. We just know that we're created a little lower than the angels. 
That exalts us to even be talked about that way, but it's scriptural. They're exalted beings, and they come to the shepherds and put on a show, that show, glorifying heaven for that moment. They catch on. This thing that's happening to you is very special. I had one more thing to say if I can find it. Luke 119. One of the things, one quote from a shepherd, and this was to, from the angel, and this was to Mary. Mary, who was great, greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting might this be. Well, the greeting was you're greatly favored among women. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now, Mary was a fine person. She was found favor with God because God chose her. It wasn't that she was so righteous. She needed a savior like the rest of us. But she'd found favor with God. And by the way, in another kind of way, so have you. I believe that. Because God has come to redeem the earth one person at a time. That's a pretty interesting concept. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you will call his name Jesus. This is the angel talking. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much, Hyatt. Wow, wow. This kingdom never ends. Are, are you a part of it? Have you joined that kingdom? You know, let this be, the, if you haven't, let this be the Christmas that you, you join the kingdom of God. Maybe, maybe you are a part of the kingdom, but it's, um, you're kind of struggling with it. Come on in closer. Come on in closer. Let the, let the kingdom rule in your life. Let the kingdom reign. Let God be supreme. It'll, it'll all make sense. And I, I think some of you will understand this, but I know what Hyatt was, was meaning when he said, as you get older, it just makes more sense. It just makes more sense. You know, we're going to receive uh, the tithes and offerings, obviously, this is an expensive time of the year for Granite Creek Community Church, and we, we thank you so much for your faithfulness in, in giving, your faithfulness in, uh, in returning the tithe back to the Lord and giving those offerings to him that, that keeps the, the lights on, 
that, that keeps uh, the building open. Thank you so much. And this morning, as you give, like, like the wise men, they, they brought their, their gifts to the Lord. It wasn't because they were trying to buy favor with, with, with him. He was just a baby. It was because they knew that he was worthy of giving to. When you have that thing in your heart, you understand who Christ is. You know, it's worthy to give to. It's really to invest in the kingdom. It's the right thing to do. So this morning, as you give back to the Lord, may, may God bless you at this Christmas season as, as you give that gift. And say, God, I believe in the message. I believe. God bless you as you give to the Lord. And uh, ushers, I'm sorry. We need ushers, don't we? Yes, we do. Uh, so ushers, come on up. And as, as you are giving, just, just receive from the Lord. Just, just receive those blessings from the Lord. Amen.